your wonderful week what's cooking nico so tony so yeah just for the listeners we were trying to get some videos on here of street scenarios um and so we could have tony kind of narrate them and talk about them but youtube seems to be censoring anything with uh, the name violence or the word violence in the title and seems to be censoring any like most videos that are violent in nature so um, we weren't able to get those videos for this podcast but we're gonna we're gonna see what the what the rules and restrictions are so if there is a way we can access them and get them to you guys well what we're gonna do in the in lieu of that or in maybe even in addition to that is we're gonna we're gonna launch our monthly a monthly membership and that should start April 1st, this coming week, I'm hoping to have a meeting uh, with somebody who's going to help me with the behind the scenes software related thing. But we're going to probably in the beginning offer one or two levels. The first level will be once a month, you'll get uh, for, the, for your monthly membership, you'll get a, an instructional video. Everybody will get the same video just uh, you know, filmed here to, to help out. Level two will include that video. And we're going to hope to get these self-defense things that he's talking about um, going as well. So that'll be a little, little more uh, um, financially. We'll have it all for you this month um, worked out. But, yeah, we, we run into snafus. But when, when you're doing this private membership thing, uh, we can control it. Because I, I, would, I would host the videos, and we, we wouldn't have a, a problem. And I can dedicate the time with the guys here and – and, and, and here in the gym as well. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I know other people have had memberships where they've had thousands of, of, of members. So we need to, ex, you know, exceed even those guys because what you're getting here is going to be the only place in the world to get it. And it's, and we're excited. And um, outside of these videos that, that Nico just mentioned, which obviously we're not filming, they're real world videos. All the videos that, I and Joe and Brian or whomever and Nico, whatever, or just solo stuff will will be multi-camera angles and all filmed in 4K. uh, And it's going to be great. And and I might, uh, you know, well, like I said, when I, when I talked to the, to the guy this week about some of the software, uh, you know, sending out the links to the videos and how we can do that to avoid piracy because piracy is what's killed me and many other people. Uh, we're going to try to, you know, do what we can to, to avoid piracy. That's a shame, but, you know, some people have to ruin it for others. But anyway, how are you doing, uh, Mr. Cardinal? Good, good. Keeping busy. I'm also very excited about uh, starting up this membership. I think it's a really good way to kind of 
for the community, you know, the broader community who follows you and, and follows, uh, you know, self-defense to be able to support what we do here. And uh, I think, you know, Another thing, too, is if people are interested in seeing certain topics, they reach out with an email or something to say, hey, you know, I have a technical question or whatever. Uh, you know, I think the, the membership could even be interactive in a certain way, you know, behind the scenes so to that that group who's willing to uh, support, you know, what we're doing here. Right. Um, you know, I think we can address whatever interest, you know, whatever topics they may come up with, too. So yeah, I, and just to distinguish, this isn't the Tri-C program. That's <clears throat> Ideally, what everybody should be joining. That's what you want because that's personalized. That's one-on-one, more intimate, uh, and really more specific. And, you know, that includes all of my videos, training here in Chicago if you choose. Uh, and, and, and that's really, if you really, really, really want to get good, that's the only way to, to learn catch wrestling through me. Um, and that's the wave of the future anyway is uh, distance learning. This is just different. Just one general video a month for everyone. Uh, and it's going to be nice because the techniques, of course, are, are going to run the gamut, you know, of basic fundamentals and just whatever, um, you know, that. But like Joe said, um, it, depending on how many members we get, obviously, if we had hundreds of members and we get hundreds of requests, you know, we can't, you know, we're not going to be able to fulfill that. So we'll have to do almost like a lottery and and pick the best the best one and you know go from there but yeah um it's it's going to be great i think it's going to be uh really great but we the interactive that'll be that's the tri c program that's where you send me the videos of yourself practicing the lessons that i make for you directly um and yeah, there, there, the sky is the limit. You know, I can focus exactly on, Hey, you know, you need to work on your, your jab or your cross or your, or your, uh, you know, stop or toe hold or whatever, whatever we're working on. But so, yeah, that's kind of sucks that last night we got the, the message from Nico about these videos. Uh, I don't follow that on YouTube. I have no idea. So, um, that's, I, I gather, I guess why they're doing it, but, um, who knows? Nico will look into that. We'll we'll find out what's cooking. But yeah, it seems to be something new on YouTube because I was previously able to access any of those videos, and now they're still up on YouTube, but they're not playing. So it's definitely something. Well, that, what happens when you mean you they're know, not playing? I don't follow that. What do you mean? So the video will pop up, you click on it, and then it just won't play. Um, Does it say it says, anything on the screen? I think it said restricted or something, something to that extent. Or oh, wait a minute. Maybe it's like you got to be over 18. No. Because that. that comes up. Maybe you have your son try. He could probably get it working. <clears throat> he was with me. <laughs> he was with me. Actually, I always okay. have him uh, help me out with that kind of stuff. But, yeah, we couldn't get it, any of those videos to play. Well, maybe we can do something down the line in the future with the podcast uh, that that has nothing to do with street self-defense, obviously, but maybe like uh, exercises or even if it's a, you know, a clip of a psychologist or somebody, you know, kind of talking about a certain thing and then I could give my input on it, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, warm weather for us in the Midwest is supposed to arrive this week. We're supposed to have some rain, um, which maybe that'll 
help melt what's left of the snow around here. Um, I, I was finally, finally able to get my car out of the driveway, finally. But yet I have not, or I have not made it yet to the, to the mechanic um, to swap out the tires. Um, and I'm going to really try to do that this week. Um, it, it's just, it's been in, incredible. Uh, the guys who are out here, well, not Nico, but Joe and Brian Deneve, and they saw the, the, the ice and the car just couldn't move it. You know, it was frozen solid. That's how bad the winter was over here. Yeah, I was thinking about that as I was, I mean, we've been at above free, uh, freezing temperature now for a few weeks, but there's still a decent amount of snow on the ground. I'm surprised how long it's been sticking around, you know. It's like it's 40 and above during the day, but then it drops to 20 at night and stuff just solidifies. Well, last week, well, when I moved here in 2014, it was on record as being the second coldest winter of all time. And this year, as of a week ago, I quit um, following it. This winter, this February, not, not January or December, this February was colder than in 2014, and the high temperature was less. Um, so, yeah, this was, in essence, probably the worst February that we've ever had uh, in this area. So it's just, it, I just can't wait for it to be over. Uh, and, you know, that's that. But, yeah, I'm excited about this uh, video uh, stuff. Uh, and, you know, this spring, too, I want to do my weekly uh, my weekly YouTube videos. I'll start once in a blue moon doing them outdoors, uh, too, as a change of pace. But once the weather gets good, you know, I'll go, I'll, I'll go outside of, of my my house and do it. You know, right now, boy, it's still it's still cold. So, Tony, I got another idea. I don't know if, if you if you like this idea, but there's a, there's these YouTube videos I was watching and it was a, a real mobster. And he and he's going over like mobster movie scenes. Yeah. And then he talks about them. Um, and it was pretty cool to see. Yeah. But I was thinking, what if you did? What if you watched like some kind of uh, action movie and kind of narrated the fight scenes and see? Well, this is realistic, and this yeah. is totally, yeah, totally just and stuff like that. All I need you to do is find out the legalities of it because I know for an absolute one hundred percent fact that like you can't play music soundtracks. Okay, uh, like let let's say right now we had uh, I don't know Michael Jackson something going on. YouTube will pull it, or they, they may not take your video down, but they'll delete the audio track, okay? They're, they're really, in, the, in a good way, they're strict about copyrights. I know I had, a, I had to reach out to YouTube in the past because people were pirating my videos and putting them up on YouTube, and I had to say, hey, I sell these videos. I, I make a living with this shit. Get it, take it down, and they did. So I'm, I'm open to all of that. I can watch mob movies. I can watch action movies it don't matter but uh yeah just you know reach out to youtube i would do this if i was you nico i would actually email youtube but have a specific movie in mind you know just say i don't know enter the dragon say hey am i allowed to take a 60 second or two minute clip from this movie and narrate on our youtube channel otherwise i don't want to do it i don't want to get rid i don't want to risk you know, losing the YouTube channel, man. I can't. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so that yeah, that would be kind of nice. But most, you know, all those movies are very rarely I can just kind of cut to the chase. There's really nothing that's been that realistic. Uh I think actually if you watch speaking of mob movies, if you watch the original Godfather where Sonny goes after Connie's husband and I mean obviously you can see they're pulling punches and stuff, but that was a pretty realistic street fight, hitting him with a garbage can lid and all that stuff and kicking him and stomping him. That's how a lot of street fights actually end up happening. Um, you know, but yeah, I'm sure there's movies out there that have some realism, but not the martial art ones. I like that. So you ever seen a, a Brock's tale? Yeah. Well, yes, exactly. And how about, how about that scene where the baseball bat the, with the, the bikers, bikers. Yeah, the that, bikers come into the bar and they lock the doors on them. That actually is a real deal. Uh, and not only did it happen previous to the movie, um, it pretty much happened over here in Chicago at a place that I go to. I wasn't there, but my, my one friend uh, was there at the time. Now, granted, it wasn't a biker situation, but it was two guys in the place. It was my friend, little Teddy, uh, and the owner, Bobby. That's all I'll say his first name. I don't want to give away the bar. And someone else who shall be rename, me, remain nameless. And little Teddy was young, um, 21 maybe, you know, just legal, just barely legal. Uh, and Bobby, the owner, told little Teddy, lock the door. Just And these are Italian boys, you know, uh, and he said it, lock the door. Well, with that, those two guys are like, okay, okay, you win. All right, we're out, you know. Uh, yeah. That, uh, and I was kind of involved personally in a situation out here with, uh, there was caught in the crossfire of a, a rival motorcycle gang uh, situation. And I, there was me and a few other patrons. And the motorcycle gang came in, a few members, looking for the owner because there was a beef. And then the other motorcycle gang, that was kind of like their hangout. It was like nothing happened, but it could have, you know. So I kind of got involved in that because I had to say a few things. But yeah, those are those are more or less realistic type of scenarios. Those those kind of things happen. Um, there was a martial art movie, I believe it was a Chuck Norris movie, where these robbers come into a bar to stick the place up, and it was a cop bar, and all the cops pull their guns out on them. That happened. That they based that off of an incident that happened here in Chicago, at a, a former cop bar in the city where some of these guys came in to rob to stick, stick the place up. They didn't know it was a cop bar. It's always important to do your research, man. Yeah, well, I had a friend of mine. He passed away. Uh, oof. Less, well, let's see. About 10 years ago, roughly. He was a legendary uh, Chicago cop. And some of his antics, him and his partner, um, made it into the movies. He was a soft clothes cop. Uh, you know, working, um, he did a lot of transit, you know, he'd be, he'd be passed out on the, on the train, you know, with his sleep with his hands like this and a, a Rolex is exposed. He was the decoy a lot, you know, to get the robber. And then in comes his partner to, to make the pinch. Uh, but they, they were, they have a lot of he Well, he had a lot of interesting stories, um, it would have it would have been nice to have 
him on the show if he was still alive. Crazy. Bobby Pernitsky was his real name, but he went by Bobby Purr or Bobby Pearl. Um, yeah, he was something, something else. Uh, I, maybe down in a future episode, I'll, I'll, I'll mention a, a Count Dante thing. I know you guys don't really know him. Maybe the younger crowd doesn't know him, but anybody who did martial arts in the 60s, definitely in the 70s, knew, knew of uh, Count Dante and Bobby Pearl and him uh, where they used to hang out. <laughs> yeah, I know Count Dante. His ads are on a bunch of my old comic books. Okay, know. yeah. Learn the secret deadly arts from Count and, Dante. And he was a redheaded Irishman from the south side of Chicago. That's the thing. And he created, you know, uh, Keishan or Keehan, John Keehan, I think, or Keishan, either one, Keehan. <clears throat> and uh, he, um, yeah, he, and he was a Campbell black belt, legit. Uh, but then he got into this martial art deadliest man thing and uh, created this persona. And he had some organized crime ties. Uh, he ended up apparently, well, you know, as they say, uh, officially he died of a bleeding ulcer, but he had, he had started losing touch. I think what had happened was he got in with the wrong people and, you know, things were coming due and he knew him. He's in, he's in a lot of trouble, but the guy, the guy for a while, at least lived the, lived the act, you know, he would walk around and cape he had a little lion cub that he would bring into the bars and he had a walking stick and uh huh you know flashy and um he was a hairdresser as well and i knew a guy uh well orlando was his nickname fluffy also was his nickname um he was part of the green dragon uh kung fu school which was the rival to the black dragon which was a count dante's where Jim Konsevich got killed and all of that. Well, Orlando was a student there during that time period when that, when that went down. Uh, the Dojo Wars, they called it in Chicago, where they dynamited the dojo and everything. That was obviously, I, was, I wasn't living in Chicago then. That was way before my time. But um, Wait, so, so what happened? It was like two dojos battling against each other? Yeah, yeah. And then. Uh, and they, were, they were just like destroying the property? Yeah, they actually... apparently Dante's guys put dynamite caps and blew out the storefront. And um, they came after they went to Dante's school and that's a bunch of students. And one of them who was my friend, Eddie's knew this guy, Jim Konsevich got killed with a, with a sword. I mean, killed in this gym blast. Yes. That's uh, and now, now this part's open for speculation. One of the reports was when the cops came, they found Dante hiding under, underneath his desk. I can't, sit, I can't say if that's true or not. Um, who knows? But Ponsevich getting killed, very, very true. Uh, and, yeah, stabbed with a sword. Um, so, that, you know, this was, I don't know, remember now when, but probably 71, 72, something like early. You know, uh, I think Count Dante died in 75 or something like that. I don't remember now, 74, 75. Um, I used to live literally... Uh, about four, the fourth house, the fourth, well, I, I lived in a, an apartment, but it was like the third or fourth building from the corner of the street of the cemetery that he was, that he's buried in, um, right off of, uh, Belmont and, uh, and Thatcher, you know, that's, that's where he was buried, which again, kind of strange because he was a South sider and that's not South side. That's, that's as Northwest as you get. 
Okay, I think one more block and you're and you're out of Chicago technically, and although O'Hare Airport is a is a Chicago enclave. But yeah, interesting times, you know. Um, you know, really, really different. You know, there was a, there's a Chicago police officer. He's retired now. Uh, I don't know if I can get in touch with my friend Eddie. He had some health problems, but I think Eddie knew this Chicago cop. He would be very interesting to have on because he was a big-time martial artist back then. Probably knew Dante personally, Italian guy, big bodybuilder. Oh, he wasn't tall. He was just, you know, like a fire fire hydrant man you know um and my one friend spike who was a chicago cop who passed away spike knew him so if spike was still alive we definitely would have him as a guest on the show um and uh but yeah i'm i'm gonna see if we can reach out to this chicago cop well he's retired i'm sure by now uh and and if he's even in chicago anymore i don't know him personally i never met the guy uh paul Ventachinque, i think is his last name um so, yeah, he would be the guy to, to have on. It would be very nice to have him on, to hear all the stuff that street cops went through back then. And I'm sure he knew Bobby Pearl and all those guys. <laughs> all the gang activity back then, too, was, you know, it was, it was just a different era, you know. It's not the same. I mean, I'm sure there was drugs and guns, but it just had a different vibe about it back then. I'm sure there was a lot of great stories. Yeah, there was a lot of neighborhood gangs. The Gaylords were a big group up in the northwest side uh or near like belmont central uh, you know all the way down to diversity whatever uh i'm not able to talk about that because that's i wasn't living here in chicago at that time i moved here in 87 and what is that was that's a real gang the gay oh yeah oh yeah oh there we used to we used to always joke around in my school be like yeah you're a gay lord like i i thought that was just a joke i didn't think that was a real these these guys were no joke Uh, were they actually were they actually gay Absolutely not. No. See, oh. that's what's funny. I don't know their, their history, so I, I am not about to even delve into it because I don't know, other than I know a lot of guys that, you know, were members or that area. So I used to hang out in that area where they were, where they used to be really big. Um, but uh, the Gaylords, like, that's an Italian thing, too. There was a, a musical group in the 50s and probably the 60s called the Gaylords and stuff. Um, but, yeah, no, they were serious. There was a lot of different gangs. And, again, as I said, I am absolutely not the guy to talk to about that because that was before my time. I wasn't even living in Chicago. So I don't, I don't, you know, won't deal with it. But um, Latin Kings and uh, Gangster Disciples, there, you know, those are some of the other, uh, other gangs. But, um, yeah. There's yeah, a lot of gangs. I always thought that was a play on words because the Vice Lords are a really big gang. Yeah. And I always thought they just took that name and – made a play on words to just uh, use it as an insult. Well, this is just something that we should look into. You know, uh, I'll, I'll see, boy, I've lost so much. I don't have any contacts anymore with the, uh, cause I'm out, I'm out here and I'm not in the city. And I, like I said, all my police friends are either they're, they're, they're dead. They passed away. So I don't know how to get a hold of Paul. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll we'll figure something out. We got we got a lot of shows ahead of us. We're going to have hopefully a special guest next week. I don't want to say anything because you know we got to get it all scheduled. Um, but he's also going to be helping me with the uh, software, so uh, with this membership program thing, because I guess he offers memberships as well. And you know, he knows more about that stuff than I do. Uh, huh. 
But, you know, it's just back then, yeah, you, you know, even in a lot of areas, even now, you know, the gangs are, are the issue. Gangs are a, a major problem. What were the bigger gangs in Cleveland? Rick City Gang. Um, that was the big one. Uh, and this is going to be kind of weird for a lot of people. Where I live, my specific neighborhood didn't necessarily have a gang, and I wish it did, because gang members, gang, you can, they're easily, you can identify who they are, okay? And you know where to go or not to go. Where I lived, it was a free-for-all. There was no gang, so it was the Wild West, so to speak. Everybody was a potential, you know, you were a bad guy potentially. You know, you had to watch out for it. Um, but like, yeah, like where I went to high school, my, my junior and senior year, that was a bad area as well. And that was the brick city gang that ran that, uh, that location. That was a little closer in to downtown. Um, I was about three miles. My house was about three miles from dead center, downtown public square, uh, 79 blocks. Uh, whereas my high school was 30 blocks from downtown so and i believe the brick city gang went from east 55th down to like east 25th so my high school would have been right in there in that in that region um what does brick city mean is that like uh does that have any connotation for cleveland or from that for that area uh, i believe it was because it was a housing project brick brick houses brick, Mm. brick housing project hence hence brick city Cleveland's actual nickname, believe it or not, is Forest, the Forest City, okay? And back then, Cleveland had Forest City Furniture and Forest City Auto Parts because that was a remnant of Cleveland's nickname. Just like everybody calls Chicago the Windy City, its official nickname is the City of Big Shoulders. And the Windy City has nothing to do with the wind. Cleveland's windier than Chicago. It became, they got that nickname because of the Chicago politicians, because all they would do is they were gas bags, worse than me. They talk all the time and never, never shut up back 100 years ago or whatever it was. And that's how Chicago actually got the nickname Windy City. It's, it's not because of the wind itself. A lot of people don't know that. But the city of big shoulders is Chicago's official nickname. They didn't, didn't they get that um, nickname because of all the dock workers, big shoulders in, in the city of Chicago? Oh, I, I don't know. I think like the stockyards too and all that. I mean, there's a lot of like, I think second city, you know, with the rebuilding of the fire after the fire, you know, um, everybody carried the burden of rebuilding the city on their shoulders. That could be too. I don't know. Um, Chicago had some tragedy, you know, um, they mocked Cleveland for the Cuyahoga river catching fire. Chicago river caught fire. There was that, the, uh, that, that boat, the river boat that, that sunk and they have a memorial plaque over the bridge there downtown right off of Michigan Avenue. It, uh, hundreds of people lost their lives in that. And of course the great Chicago fire um, that obliterated uh, the city back then. And the Chicago fire headquarters is built on the alleged legendary starting spot of the Chicago fire. And the Chicago fire department is so revered that Certain departments from around the world come to Chicago for advanced firefighting training. Uh, Chicago has, if not the strictest, one of the strictest building codes uh, in the United States. Um, and, and rightfully so. When I moved here to 
where I live now, you know, in this place, there's no building codes out here really. Okay. Yeah, the, the wiring was, I do a lot of electrical work myself, I, you know, as a hobby. And I was doing side, side jobs with uncle Vinny before he died. I, I ran a lot of stuff down here. Um, as Joe knows, outlets, switches, lights, and I did everything to code Chicago code. Um, but yeah, Chicago has a code for a reason, man. And the new construction is so good that uh, constru- uh, commercial fires are, are are a rarity because of the the way things are set up. It's it's it it happens, but it not like you would think like any like it used to. Yeah, everything's built out of concrete in the city and brick. Yeah, and sprinkler not, systems. Yeah, right. It's not combustible. Right, right. Now, but now you'll get fires now, roofs and things like that. Roof roofs are a danger zone, okay? And as a matter of fact, there is a PLAV club out here in McHenry called, well, Polish Legion of American Veterans. And several years ago, I was living here. Um, they were having roofing done, and literally the roof caught fire and burned the building down, okay, to the point where it was basically destroyed completely. So they had to remodel it, rebuild it, um, you know, brand new, really nice. I think they've had the new place now four years or so. Um, but, yeah, roofs just recently, within the last couple of weeks, there was a big fire on the south side. Um, again, started, you know, with the roof. So that that's a weak link in some of these older constructions. But you got to watch out for that stuff. Yeah, I'm surprised that the more buildings don't require, I mean, I'm sure it's a cost, but sprinkler systems, because I've heard that that is like, like the number one thing to keep buildings from catching fire. Yeah, and conduit, you know, you want to have, so if there is something, you know, um, everything is contained. Uh, I remember taking Uncle Vinny to Cleveland. We went for a long weekend, and uh, he had never been to Cleveland before, and we were driving down through, I wanted to show him my old neighborhood, and there was a Zelly Funeral Home on, I believe it's 61st or 63rd in St. Clair, whatever. And we didn't obviously go into the funeral home, but from just from the outside, Uncle Vinny, who, who was a, not only a licensed electrician, he was an electrical contractor. We used to do side jobs. He's like, Jesus Christ, look at this. That would never pass code in Cleveland or in Chicago. Are you kidding me? They had, like, basically um, – uh, exposed wiring outside the building, you know, uh, that's Indiana in, 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 in the cabling, you know, it's, it's itself, but not in conduit. Okay. I, you know, uh, weather resistant conduit. I mean, this would never fly in Chicago (laughs) or probably other cities as well, but, uh, it'll fly in Indiana. Yeah. Right. See, this house, um, I'm remodeling. That's all they have is Romex. Yes, that's what just this was. Just, just the Romex. Even outside, everywhere. I mean, it's just. Yeah, that yeah that's what this was. Romex on the outside. That doesn't happen out here. You know, even even here in, in, in my gym here, I ran an outlet. Because this is all concrete. These are, these are all cinder blocks. I ran uh, from the ceiling on down to make an external wall outlet. And I put it in conduit. You know, I mean, nobody does. I mean, out here, they're like, why would you do that? Well, because it's the right way to do it. It looks neat. It's it's and then the the rafters in Chicago, you have to drill through the rafter. You can't attach K2 
cabling underneath the rafter and stable and staple it. That's what they. That's what most of this house is. All the new wiring that I've done is through the rafters. That's the way it's got to be done. You don't need conduit in the basement because it's an open ceiling. But any closed enclosure, um, you know, you got to watch. It's it's a whole different. But anyway, we're getting off on, on another tangent. I should have been an electrician. I, in high school, studied uh, computer repair electronics. We were the, the first, I believe, specialty school in the country that did it. Um, and we worked on, we had a TRS-80 Tandy computer, and we worked on these DigiX. And our, our first year, 10th grade, was tube electronics, basic radio. Uh, 11th grade was more uh, television repair. We built a we built a TV, um, and then all you know, all basic computer circuits. And I've forgotten, obviously, so much of that. But what's what's interesting is how we got bullshitted. Like, oh, you guys are going to make all this money. You're the only. You know, you, 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 it's like you guys are brilliant. You're uh, basically engineers. And then, you know, it was a bad time to graduate. The economy was bad. Uh, and anyway, it was all like minimum wage jobs, period, like assembly line stuff, because sadly we came in right when the internet, uh, integrated circuits were kicking in and it's basically pull and replace, pull and replace. We were able to diagnose down to the board and figure out, okay, this diode's bad or this integrated circuit is shot. Well, nobody, you know, you didn't repair those things. You just put in a new board. So in essence, um, we, we, uh, it was a waste for me and, and others, but I should have just, so I hate to say this and there's guys out there that are going to kill me for saying this, but like electronics, it was a lot harder than doing electrical work, you know, electrician work, at least commercial or residential electrical stuff. I mean, that's, I enjoyed that. I should have, I should have been in a, a union electrician. I would enjoy doing that. I, oh, well, too late. But it is interesting how, yeah, the codes are different from area to area based on, because I remember I did, I worked construction back in the late 80s in California. And, you know, I was surprised that they didn't do conduit there either. But they were saying, you know, because of the earthquakes, they actually, it's not preferable to have such a solid, you know, that they didn't want things in, in conduit. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I didn't, you know, st like research it at all. But it does seem that, you know, uh, from area to area, the codes may be different for actual valid reason. Yeah, and even just, I don't think these are state codes. I mean, I'm sure there's some national codes, but state, like I said, Chicago, this area is different than Chicago. Uh, yeah, Chicago can be a pain, you know, but, but you know that if it's done right, you know, it's quality. Another thing, hiring someone in the city, it's, you know, it's much better than trying to get people out here be it HVAC or whatever that, you know, uh, simply because in Chicago, you know, they know that the competition is fierce and they're mainly union jobs. Okay. So you don't want to get in trouble with the union out here. It's kind of like freelance and you get, you know, it's, it's a pot luck with what you get, you know? Um, so I knew a lot of tradesmen, tile workers, electricians, uh, and, you know, they're like, they were really good. Like, I think in their fifth year of apprenticeship, they studied fiber optics and things like that. I don't know that. I don't do any of that. I'm just a hack, you know, simple stuff um, that I enjoy doing. <clears throat> but they, some of these guys really know know their shit. Um, you know, especially 
the, well, not so much the high power lines. I don't know anybody anymore that does that. But, you know, when they're doing high rises and more heavy duty, uh, you know, uh, 440, 480 volt uh, systems and stuff. That's serious business, you know. A lot of amperage there, you know. It's going to kill you if you make a mistake, and that—that's what gets you the amps, not not so much the voltage. It's the amperage that'll. So yeah, there's. It's interesting, you know. That's one of the things I miss about Chicago, living here and hanging out in the city, is running into these tradesmen, and I. And I tell people out here, it's an education because I always want to learn, you know, and you can run into a plumber and ask him a plumbing question or, uh, you know, any any type of, of, of tradesman, carpentry, you know, whatever. Uh, and you know, they'll tell you anything you want to know. You know, you're sitting around having a couple of beers and, yeah, well, what's your question? I'll be more than happy to answer it. You know, it's nice. Out here, it's like, hey, can you help me milk a cow? You know. They know still, all about that. That's still learning. Yeah, well, I don't want to milk a cow. <laughs> you know, I don't like milk. I don't drink milk. I'm lactose intolerant. I still yeah, drink me, it. Me too. <laughs> I, I, so, I enjoy the, like, it's this, the same reasons why you enjoy the city is it's the same for me. I enjoy the diversity. Like you said, there's a lot of just really high-level craftsmen everywhere in the city a lot of really good tradesmen and there's a lot of ethnic diversity that's in Chicago that you don't really get in other places that I really enjoy just as much as you do. That's what I love about the city. That's one of the reasons I stayed in Chicago because Cleveland is very ethnic, just like Chicago and pound for pound per square inch. <laughs> Cleveland was the same size as Chicago in that regard. So it was a big city. Cleveland geographically is roughly a third of the size of Chicago from a geographic standpoint. That doesn't mean, so like in Chicago, you have roughly 2.6 million people. But Chicago geographically is like roughly 220 square miles, something like that. Cleveland is like 80. Uh, so let's just call it a third of the size. But in Chicago, there are people on the north side, I'm using as an example, or the south side, whatever, that have never been to the south side that don't know nothing about it, know, know absolutely nothing about it. So Chicago tends to be a city of neighborhoods. So even though you have 2.6 million, there are some folks that just never never left their neighborhood. Joe can attest to that, or they may move a few blocks away. But um, So it's big, but it's in a way it's small-knit, close-knit. Uh, and that's how Cleveland used to be. Um, but, yeah, you can – you know, you run in in Chicago to the Germans, the Irish, uh, of course, Polish, Hispanic. Uh, you know, these are the, the, the main, and Italians. These are the main um, ethnic groups. And it's, it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, you know, many, many years ago, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I... I was dating my kid's mother. We had just started dating. We, we only, her and I only dated very briefly anyway. It didn't last long. It was a few months. But anyway, I, I said to her, I said, would you like to, how would you like to go on a, on a date around the world? She's like, what? I said, just trust me. How would you like that? She says, well, okay, I guess. All right. So I picked her up. We went to, we started off 
at uh, Harlem and Foster. It's gone now, but Enzo's Italian Restaurant. My, my friend Eddie Shum was playing the accordion there. Live music, great food, little bar. And we, we went to Enzo's Italian Restaurant. From there, we went to my friend's German bar, the Hooten Bar. We had a drink, went across the street to the long gone now Chicago Bra House, where they had food and live music we didn't eat. So we went for, to Italy, then we went to, uh, to the German place. Then I took her to the Korean karaoke place, all right? Nice, dark place. You sat at the tables and booths, I mean, and uh, sing karaoke, all right? From there, I took her to this Japanese place to get some ice cream. Then, to top that all off, we went to a Polish bar, which I know most of them are that I hung out at, and we had a couple nightcaps there and uh, went back home. I dropped her off, and that was it. I didn't take her anywhere else. Greek, I could have went, you know, oh, no, we stopped at the Irish place, too, at the Irish uh, uh, gift shop. And, uh, yeah, so she, you know, I don't really talk to her that much, but the last time I did, we, she says, I still talk about that. You know, I still remember that. I was like, cool. That um, sounds awesome. It was, you know, and I've told other girls about this. Hey, would you like to do this? And they're like, no, are you nuts? I thought it was pretty, I, I thought it was great. And it's, it's something that like where I live right here, you can't do that. There's, there's no ethnic diversity here, but in a city like Chicago, oh man, that was just so nice to be able to do that. Just to go to these different. And I mean, these aren't like fake German places and fake Polish and fake these people that own it. They're from there. You know, many of the customers are from these, these countries. And it was just, it was just an awesome thing. So I still get the bug to do, like, I got to go down to the Germantown, you know, Lincoln Square. Uh, I got to go to, you know, Six Penny Bit with, with the Irish, you know. Uh, of course, all the bars on the north side are that, you know, that I go to, you know, Charlotte's and Eva's, whatever. I don't know how many are open anymore after the COVID. But, um, yeah, I, I got to be around my Polish. You know, Richard's, which is my Italian goombas, you know, that's my Italian fix you know and i go right next door to la scarola for phenomenal italian food or i used to go to sabatino's until they closed up before the covid um so yeah i i like that stuff man i i don't fit in out here i know that <laughs> yeah it's funny that you said that me and my wife were actually planning because we get the kids do homeschool and we were planning to do a like an around the world uh, type of study where we're, where we study one country per week and then we'll go to that area in Chicago, go to, go to a restaurant of that particular country. And, uh, you know, it'd be like part of their school, but it'd actually be fun for all of us. But that was like right before COVID hit, we were planning on doing that. And then that just, you know, that put an end to it. But get back to that. Cause that's a really good thing to do. It's, it's, you know, the internet now really has opened up a world of possibilities you know the one thing about traveling i will say i know a lot of people the big the women especially well they want to travel this and that but you know when you travel you're you're at wherever you go for just a brief period of time and you always seem to hit the highlights you know like you go to the best areas and you're just having fun <laughs> like if you came to chicago you never were here before you might take you know you might go down state street or michigan avenue or something like that hit the museums most Chicagoans don't do that, okay? Uh, I'm sorry they don't. So you're, you're seeing Chicago technically, but you're not, all right? 
um, Chicago and many, most cities are like, you know, neighborhoods. It's get away from the downtown, get away from the touristy areas. And then you're going to get to see what it's really like. And you may not like it. You know, it may not be what you thought it was. Uh, but yeah, for me, like when I would travel, like when I would do seminars or something like that, and maybe some of the seminar hosts would want to show me around. I said, you know what? Um, I want to get to know the town. So the best way to do that is drop me off at a neighborhood tavern, like a little watering hole, so I can actually get to know the people that live in this town and talk to them and see what they're all about and how they think and what they do. And to me, that's always worked out best. This is how I get to really know. Uh, and I, I will, I'll always be that way. You know, not, not that I ever plan on leaving Illinois, but if I were to, I would really seriously not just research it, but I would, I would go to, let's just pick a town, I don't know, Atlanta, Georgia. I'd go to an area, you know, and I'd stay there for a week or so and, you know, go out as much as I can. You know, just checking things out, talking to people, you know, doing uh, web searches. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's weird. But when you, especially when you talk about moving, there's things that you're going to need or miss that you'll never think of. You know, an auto mechanic, a barbershop, you know, uh, things along those lines. Where am I going to get a good pizza? Or what about a good hot dog? <laughs> it's, believe me, those are the things sometimes that, that irk me being out here. I got a good mechanic, but you know, everything else. No. <laughs> oh man. I didn't think about pizza when I moved to California. That was a mistake. It took me, it took me several weeks to realize that there, there wasn't good pizza out there. Um, I kept saying, Hey, you know, I'm dying for some pizza. Take me to pizza guys. And I'd be like, Oh, this is my favorite place. And they'd take me to some place that was kind of like, you know, a fast food pizza, like a Domino's or Sabaro's equivalent. And I'm like, no, no, like, you know, the good pizza, right? And they'd be like, Oh, I know what you're talking about. And then it would be like, you know, I don't know, a little Caesars type of place. And it dawned on me that they literally didn't have Italian restaurants, you know, like in Chicago, every, you know, every neighborhood, has like a church or two. They also had an Italian restaurant, at least around me. Like each one had their, you had your local Italian restaurant that would, you know, you could get a, a pretty decent quality pizza and pasta or whatever. It was just like, it was almost like a commodity where you just kind of expected it. Like if you needed it, you could get that fix. And it was kind of a shocking reality that that wasn't there. Um, that said, I mean, every, every play, every area has its pluses and minuses, you know, um, you know, they do, you know, Asian food, like way off the charts there, you know, or like seafood in Boston. I mean, to your earlier point, though, I was thinking one of the things I would have loved to try and coordinate my life, because when you travel to a place like, you know, earlier on the podcast, we talked about when I visited Philly, and I, I really dug it. But when you visit there, even for like a week, you really only get a taste of a place, you can't get to know it, you know, like the locals do. You know, it'd be so cool to be able to like, I don't know, live in an area for a year or two, you know, cause you know, if you're, especially if you're renting or whatever, I mean, it's tough obviously, cause you got to keep finding work. Um, and that's probably the limiting factor, but it, you know, really get there and get to know the place like a local. Cause you, you just can't, you don't have the time on a trip to really soak in a place, especially like a lot of these big urban areas, um, you know, in America, they just have so many unique little, you know, idiosyncrasies about them that, would be cool to find out, you know, cool neighborhoods, 
cool restaurants. And yeah, when you get a travel book or whatever, it'll be like, well, here's the top 10 most popular things. But you're right. It's all kind of the touristy traps or I mean, they might give you a few good ideas, but it's it's kind of this process of discovery, you know, and it would it would be great to be kind of like not tied down and really really explore all these different regions of this country because each one has its own flavor and, and flair, you know. That's that's how it is with training. You can't can't learn something in a week, you know, that'll be changing your life. You got to you got to immerse yourself, like you said, for a year or two years or something minimum. But yeah, I, like when I went to St. Louis, I go to the hill, the Italian area there, and you know, great bakeries and things like that. Yeah, and yeah, that's what I I want to see that kind of stuff. Um, even Chicago, you know, I, I've told people that live here that are native Chicagoans, they're going to Mexico for this or that. I'm like, I mean, nothing against Mexico, but why year after year? Why you, you can go to Chicago. You got a beautiful beaches, world-class hotels, the finest restaurants, you know, uh, shows, movie, uh, I mean, uh, you know, theaters live, this and that and concerts and man it's like there's so much to see right here you know um that m- many people don't and, and that just boggles my mind and you know and nico knows it that spring summer fall in chicago or, or the midwest in general is amazing it's absolutely beautiful the weather's nice and it's just no, it's pretty awesome but i mean i don't travel now at all um you know, my mom's situation, but even before that, to level with you, you know, after Kevin getting killed in that plane crash, you know, I have some footage of him and I, he got killed in July first. Well, the end, you know, July 1st. And I believe it was in April that we flew to Cleveland um, in his plane. I, cause we were, he was getting a GT 40 clone built and we flew into Cuyahoga County airport. And then the guy picked us up. And that was the last flight. I can't talk about it, but uh, yeah, that was the last flight that he uh, took before the fatal flight. So um, I I don't feel like going on airplanes right. You know. Yeah, even even with the the COVID right now, I wouldn't get on an airplane. I just like the last time I had to drive to Arizona, and it was a hell of a drive. <laughs> But I wasn't going to get on no airplane with a bunch of people with, you know, they got to check your temperature and you got to wear a mask and all these other restrictions. And then you don't know who's sitting next to you. That's it's a lot easier for me just to drive. Well, I'm good for six hours, man. Uh, I I drive to Cleveland and I, I can get out of the car in Cleveland and be OK. If I go the extra three hours to Pennsylvania, um, that's a nine hour trip. And I'm in a lot of agony with my back. I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm done for a day or two. You know, well, not a day, not two days, maybe, but I'm I'm done for the rest of that day. And the next day, I'm I'm in a lot of pain. So six-hour car trips, I can manage pretty good. Uh, and I normally make those trips nonstop. You know, unless I have to stop to go to the bathroom or gas up. You know, when I when I leave from here to go to Cleveland, it's I'm gassed up and I want to go. Um, and Joe, you know, you and I are taking a Cleveland trip this year. That that has to happen. Um, you know, this is a lot, little lot, little weekend. You know, we can we can even film the podcast. You bring your laptop, I'll bring mine, and Nico will film from Cleveland. You know, that'd be great. Uh, Nico, you're more than welcome to join us too. That'd be great. 
awesome. mean, the three of us in Cleveland, I mean, I still know the areas, man. I can show you guys. Can't see my house anymore. They tore it down. But I can show you the neighborhood. It was you the know, same then as it is now. That is a really great idea, actually. If we, even with a camera, you know, like a phone camera, we could go around and you could kind of narrate. Oh, no. <laughs> GoPro, baby. I got the GoPro. Ha! <laughs> we'll start with the GoPro. Head. We'll get you a helmet with the GoPro. I got the I got the headband thing. It it came with it. I got the headband thing. I bought this used couple used GoPros, you know, the setup and everything is cool. Yeah. We gotta do that. We'll get you a skateboard so that you can skate through the neighborhoods and kind of Right, right. And then you can film me at the emergency room with my broken legs. Yeah. This is awesome. I love your I like the way you think. Yeah. It'll be a multi part thing. Tony gets the skateboard, Tony skateboards, Tony goes to the ER. Part three. Right, right. Well, and then part four. Zelly funeral home that I mentioned earlier with the, you know, <laughs> this is where Joe's laid out at, you know, at Zelly funeral. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we should do that for sure, man. You know, um, that would be great, man. Just a long weekend. It, you know, it, it would be fun. And, and I'll, I promise you with, with the exception of maybe hooking up for me saying hello for an hour with a couple of my buddies, it won't be about me seeing the buddies in Cleveland. It'll be about me and you guys. I'll show you Bratnall and I'll show you Lake Erie and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and, you know, uh, all of it. The, ba- the football stadium, baseball stadium, basketball, it's all downtown now. You know, it's all good. Well, I got to um, warn you, I definitely travel. I mean, this probably comes as no shock, but I travel like a grandma. I like to do all the old tours, you know. I like to see the history. I'll I like show to, to you. You know, like I don't, you know, like some guys go to places and they just want to party or whatever. It's like, no, like when, when me and my buddies went to Philly, it's like, yeah, I want to go check out where, you know, uh, the Constitution was and the Liberty Bell. I want to do all that stuff. You know, I want to check out the neighborhoods, which is, you know, it's not the nightlife necessarily, but I want to see the town and see the history. Well, I got that covered. But the only two things, every day I will have a Roman burger from Mr. Heroes. And I got to take you guys to, for, to Slimans uh, for the world's greatest corned beef. Um, literally this thick. I'm not exaggerating. I think I showed you pictures. Um you can probably look it up right now and, and do a screen grab, and you could uh, give a free plug to Slimans, man, on St. Clair Avenue. They would line up early in the morning, people, because I think they opened up at like 6. They're not open long, 6 to 2 or something like that. Um, and, yeah, it's just phenomenal. And, yeah, I would love to do that for sure. We were talking about that before, and it never happened. The last time, actually, I've been to Cleveland was – when the Cavaliers won the, the NBA championships and, you know, just life gets in the way. But if I can get advanced warning, man, and get somebody to watch my mom for a couple of days, you know, um, that, that would be terrific. You know, um, I'd love to, I need to get away, man, but, but now I can't like do um, week long things. I can't get somebody to, you know, to, um, that's a cup of soup. Yeah, I know. It changed on me, the damn menu. Well, you can also get soup at Slimans, apparently. No, we don't want... Oh, pull it up. Pull up the... Uh, yeah, go back or something. Yeah, Corned beef. Corned beef. Oh, Slimans. Cleveland, Ohio. Now, hold on. I'm going to stop sharing here for a second. Yeah. It was up there, and then it pulled a fast one on me. Right-click and save it then to your desktop. Then you'll be... Well, every city has their, their thing. Cleveland also was known for their chili dogs, and there used to be a place... But on a corner, well, on a corner was Gordon Drugs, but right next to Gordon Drugs on 79th of St. Clair was um, Victory Lunch. And they w- it was a greasy spoon, and they had the best 
foot-long chili dogs. Oh, man, uh, was that good. And then further down on 60-something in St. Clair was Talani's Pizza. That was just – and then I think they changed the name but because uh, Frank Talani passed away. Uh, and that was all good. But I lived in a different area. I lived further south of, of – uh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. There you go. Dang. Yeah. I got to get that. Yeah, we'll get that for sure, man, when we go to Cleveland. That is phenomenal, man, and it's awesome. And there was another place that had corned beef, uh, Sportsman. Sportsman's, I don't know if they're still around. Um, but, yeah, Slimans is, you know. And then uh, they used to have a, a Chinese restaurant called Chung Wa, and that was on Superior. And Chung Wa, a lot of celebrities would go there, believe it or not. It was a dump, but that the food was phenomenal. They had pictures on the wall. John Wayne, Milton Berle, you know, these were like back then, these were like the biggest stars in, in, in America. And whenever they were in Cleveland, they'd go to Chung Wa's. Uh, yeah, that, that's just great. And then I'll show you the mansions in Brattonall that rival Beverly Hills. It's just amazing. Uh Severance, you know, we'll go to Little Italy. You'll see Severance uh, Hall where the world's greatest symphony orchestra, the Cleveland Symphony Orchestra, performs. Uh, you'll want to see all that. Of course, the legendary Cleveland Clinic, the world's finest uh, heart uh, specialty hospital. So you're, you work at a hospital, Joe. So, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be great. You know, Crawford Auto Aviation Museum if we have time. You ever have a Rico Benny sandwich? Uh, no, I've heard of it. I, Rico Benny, I heard of that, but uh, yeah, that's something you got to try. It's good a, Rick, breaded yeah. breaded steak sandwich. It's about the size of a football. Where's that place at? Rico Benny's. I got to look up the address. Yeah, look it up. I've heard of Rico Benny's, and I I I had a four boy sandwich when I first moved to Chicago in '87. In uh, somebody took me to Joliet. We were playing music. It was someplace in Joliet that I had this poor boy. I never even heard of that before. Man, was that delicious. That was the only time I ever had it, but, it, you know, 30-some-odd years later, I still remember it. But, yeah, I mean, every town probably has – every major city probably has their thing. But, I mean, Chicago, just think of all the wonderful places that are no longer here. So, Not because of COVID, but just in general. Where's it at? Rico Benny's Spy Chinatown up. 252 26th Street. Chinatown. Chinatown's got a lot of good restaurants. Bruce Lee used to take me to for, take us to, for hot pot and things like that. And then there's a lot of Italians around there, too, believe it or not. Uh, and then you're on the edge, Joe. You know that of uh, Bridgeport, you know, where old, old Man Daly and all that was from. You know, uh, you got some Italians going on over there as well. And, and a lot of Irish still. So Chicago, you know, that's another thing we should all do is make a Chicago overnighter, you know, just hop around to different places. Um, I, I know a lot of places. I'm sure you do too, Joe and Nico. Oh, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I think that would be fun to do some, like, quick little uh, selfie promotional videos of, like, these are, these are your favorite places or whatever. That would be kind of... Well, here's what I suggest. Okay, he's talking like Rico Benny's, right, or whatever. So when you're going to do that, part of the problem people... Like travel, you can only eat so much. So what we would do is, let, let's say Rico Benny's, we'll get one sandwich only, 
and we just cut it into small pieces. Then we there each have go. just a sampler. Then we go to the next restaurant, and same thing. We get whatever, the smallest order of whatever, and we just split one because this way you can sample a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're, all, we're, all, we're all Italian. We can just purge, right? Ever so often. Yeah. <laughs> all right, boy. Then we'll roll our way right into the Chicago River, which is what you'd like because I'm not the world's best swimmer, especially after eating all that. I'd, I'd be a sinker right down at the bottom. Yeah, you're very yeah. top-heavy. You just go head for Yeah, I know. But at least you, you, get, you got that built-in flotation device, your hair, you know. Actually, I it's heard a lot good. of it. I heard a lot of Italians are uh, negative buoyant in water, <laughs> which I, I think I am. And my brother's my brother is for sure. Oh, I know. I am. I am. <laughs> so we don't we don't really they're, they're definitely well. a lot of them are dense. Yeah. No, we, I, yeah. They said because of the bone density. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Italians and also um, sub-Saharan Africans or African-Americans, too, are a lot of them are negative buoyant. I know I am, but. I've probably seen some relatives at the bottom of Lake Michigan if I look hard enough, you know, but they would be wearing <laughs> cement shoes. But, yeah, I don't need cement shoes. Yeah, me neither. Throw, I just sink. Throw me in, man. I go straight to the bottom. <laughs> I am not a swimmer. <laughs> never was. Never really learned how. I you know, kind of try to self-taught, teach myself. But, I mean, yeah, what are you going to do? It's like teaching yourself how to, you know, work on a gas oven. I don't, I don't think it's a very smart idea, you know. Um yeah, but I, the, the, talking about these traveling things, you know, um, that that you're you're right. When, when for me, I could take you guys to Cleveland, and if you went on your own or went, you know, try to do some Cleveland tour, it's a joke, probably. You know, you got to go with a native, somebody who knows what's going on, and uh, you know, like Chicago, when the guys would come to train from wherever in the world. They'd want to see Chicago. Well, some wanted to see specifically like the Sears Tower. They wanted to go up in that. Sure. Okay. The Navy Pier. I get it. But then I took them to the neighborhoods, to the, to the restaurants that you're not going to find on the Internet. Uh, you know, nobody's talking about it because they all talk about, you know, Gibson's and the big, you know, the, the big shop places. I take them to unbelievable joints. And that's what I like if I'm traveling. You know, I've had people like, you know, show me around areas in New York. I never would have found on my own, you know. I've been to New York lots and lots of times, and they there's there's always something new, you know, or something hidden. It's a big city. So, yeah, let's book that. Man. Let's, let's, really, let's really, really try to get to Chicago, uh, to New York, and also to Chicago. Chicago is obviously easier to do. You know, the last time, Joe, you and I went to Chicago was to hook up with that one martial art guy that was supposed, supposed to book us for a seminar, and that, that – I guess he quit the school or something like that, but I don't think you and I have been to the city together in a long time. Yeah, we because uh, I remember we ate at Heroes right for lunch. Yeah, uh, that's no. I think that's closed or sold or something. I think that the, that might be another victim of COVID. by Lane Tech. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's amazing how. And the thing is, is like you know, even though I grew up there, it's amazing how much the city, you know, especially any kind of like. I don't know, thriving city, or even if it's not, it, how they change, you know, I mean, I, the neighborhood I grew up in, you know, I, I can just vaguely recognize it. So much has changed, you know, it's a constant shifting thing. I'm sure Cleveland's got to be a lot different too now. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I know it is, you know, but even the, the Chicago that I know, you know, 30 some odd years I've lived here, 34 years, and it's totally changed. 
you know, Sabatino's is no, 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 not here anymore. And, you know, like I said, the Brow House isn't here anymore. And uh, Old Warsaw, these are restaurants, man, that, you know, I used to love and used to go to. They're gone. I mean, just – and that's not COVID-related. That was before the COVID, you know, things were changing. The younger crowd just doesn't seem to be into the ethnicity. They're into this, you know, pot belly sandwich places and, you know, joints like that and all these mom and pop places are suffering and you know i knew the owners of a couple of those places and they're like our kids don't want to take over you know, they don't want to do it so there you go and then i guess before that too there's uh uh what was it uh zundeka oich or zundeka zundeka oich i think the german place and then uh the brown bear all these places gone man years and years gone that's a shame Well, that's definitely like a reoccurring theme with this show. It's like take advantage of things while you can because there's no guarantee about it, you know, whether it's dining or travel. Um, you got to jump on it while you can, you know, while you're able or while the place or the person that you want to uh, to to be with is here, you know. Yeah, you know, and I'm probably, you know, I'm a real sentimental, romantic kind of guy. And just not yesterday, but the night before, uh, I pulled out. My old, and I have not looked at this stuff in decades. My old music from my music to, from Ronnie Moon and some and Jerry Sigler. And you talk about memory lane. And I had forgotten just how unbelievably thorough Ronnie Moon was typing things out for me. Typing. This is before computers, you know, personal lessons, Tony Cicchini, do this and that, and how to clear my thoughts for practice and, you know, soak my hand before and after practice and take breaks every hour for 15 minutes and just unbelievable. Wait, and then you, all the. Can you tell me about that? How, how to clear your thoughts before practice? I think that might be helpful. For... Yeah, that's it's easier said than done. You know, um, there are times, Nico, and this doesn't this it's anything that you're you're trying to learn martial arts, anything, there, there are days where it's just too overwhelming, okay, and you're just going to have to write it off. Uh, if your brain isn't focused, if you're not concentrating, you're going through the motions, okay, yeah. uh, and you're, you're, not, you're, you're just not going to excel here. The difference with music is you're uh, more than likely not going to hurt yourself, okay, um, you know, but with fighting or lifting or something like that, obviously you can, you can ruin it for the rest of your life. One bad day in the gym could cripple you forever. Uh, you'll never get it back. So, yeah, you have to have clear thoughts. Uh, I used to like incense, believe it or not, and that would just kind of calm me down. And Well, Joe knows this. Remember the last time you were over here? Um, a few weeks ago I had the incense going when you showed up, you know, um, just to kind of, you know, mellow me out. Because we were going to do some filming, and I just wanted to get you know get all my thoughts out of there, but yeah, it's um, funny. I bet you most people don't look at you and think an incense guy, but yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that just whatever it takes, man. It just to to to, to bring down. Some people need music. Uh, you know, for me, when I was studying music, well, music wasn't what I wanted to listen to. I matter of fact, that wasn't. It, that's a no no. You know, because now I'm thinking about the song I just heard when I got to practice my scales or whatever it is, my, my song for the lesson. But with, with martial arts or fight training, whatever, however you want to, you know, call it, um, 
you do have to be focused. You can't be thinking about your wife or girlfriend or, you know, your, your boss yelled at you and, you know, everyone has to go down that path of what's going to make this click for me. Okay. And if you get that, you have to almost have some sort of tunnel vision. So Nico, I know you enough to know that you have some other, you know, distractions, but I think you need to focus on the fact that you are a natural at this. You, to me, are a great athlete that that you're that needs to be molded. You just got to put the effort in. So for you, I would say, you know, Nico, this is you talking to yourself. Nico, I can be as good as possible. Just focus on this. Forget about all the other bullshit. It'll work its way out. You're going to succeed. You're going to succeed. You're going to succeed because you will just try to clear it. Joe, same thing with you. When you talk to yourself, you'd be something like, I'm Joe and I'm so beautiful and I'm, Oh God, I love myself. And Oh, this mirror is the greatest invention in the history of the world. Oh, I love me. Okay. That's you, Joe. Okay. Yeah. You're assuming I don't already do that though. That's the... <laughs> <laughs> but Tony, no. yeah. Tony, it's funny that you, that you mentioned that about, you know, clearing your thoughts for training and having a good session because normally when I go to training, this is like my relaxing time. It's kind of like, you know, I look forward to it and I, and I feel really relaxed and, and I just feel positive going into it. The one day, the one day that my, I got my ankle blew out is I had a terrible day this day before I even got to training. I had a big fight with big blowout with me and my wife, big time. And I just left super pissed off. I get in the car, I'm running late. I hit some traffic jams. I mean, my blood pressure was probably skyrocketed. I was just in a bad place mentally. And then my ankle gets blown out. That was the only day I got ever got injured training with, you know, with you. Um, but looking back on it, even before you mentioned anything, I, I already analyzed the situation. It was like, is that the day you really, were wrestling with Bender? Yeah. I really shouldn't have even come to train that day. I was just in a bad place in my mind. My, my mind was not there. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. And like you said, that could be, a defining moment in your life. If you go to training in a bad place in your mind, you could get injured for life potentially, you know? So it's not something you, you really want to just go through the motions and not be there mentally. You really got to be there and focus. Well, I think too, you need to share your thoughts with your training partner, you know, like in your case that I remember that incident with you and Jason, um, you know, if you were, that was, that was just a freak accident and it really wasn't um, like, I didn't really even feel like my, ankle was tweaked or in any compromised position, but I don't have a lot of pain. I guess I have pain tolerance and when I'm grappling, I don't really feel pain. Like I didn't even feel my ankle at all when it blew out until the next day. Well, Um, thankfully it didn't need surgery or anything. It was, you know, but what I'm getting at is, you know, just tell your partners or your coach or whoever, you know, my, my mind's not on it today, man. I got some personal issues, man. You know, if you just say that, that kind of sets the tone. So they know, all right, all right, we're you know what? Then help me work with yeah, me, right. then Nico. Sh- yeah, that's what I should have done. You of- be the dummy today, right? You know, and because I've done that, you know, when uh, like even with Kevin, you know, when we used to lift weights, some days I just did, man, I, I don't, I don't have it, Kevin. You know, I, I'm, I just want a light workout. I'm just gonna go, but here, let's let's focus on you, okay? Because for me, I just didn't today wasn't the day for me to you don't want to lift. Um, so yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, get, 
Yeah, there is no there is no one universal trick, you know, to 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 clearing your your mind. It's but let's take many many steps backwards and say this: you have to keep on. Okay, here, like you get into. Let's say you love somebody, right? You're you're with a, you're with a girl, and you you really really love her. But you had that argument with your wife. But you've got to sit there and you got to remember, hey, how much does this person mean to me? I can I can vent. I can tell her she's full of shit or she's wrong or she, you know, she's got to cut it out, but there's lines that I can't cross. Okay. I, I, I can't do certain things. I can't say certain things because you can't ever get those back. Well, that's the same thing with, when you're trying to clear your thoughts, you've, you've got to know how much training means to you. All right. It, it could be your whole life and you don't want to do anything that you can't you don't want to cross a line that you can't ever come back from. And that is carelessness, recklessness, or abandonment. Those are the three killers in any endeavor. If you're careless about your workouts or your music practice or whatever, if you're totally reckless and just wild and, you know, uh, destructive, you know, where you're damaging equipment and this and that. And third, where you just say, you know, I'm done with it, the hell with it, you know, and just walk away from it. No, you know, those are the three things that you can never, you, you can't cross that bridge because there's no coming back from that. So I, I've, I've been, um, I've been careless. I'll admit it in, at times. I've never been reckless. And I, I only abandoned the music only because of my health. I could no longer play. My, my hands just, you know, just things weren't working out. I didn't really... But I haven't technically abandoned it. I still love it, still in my mind. But was it, careless, was that, yeah, I've been cured. Were you having problems? Was it after the stroke? Yeah, yeah, yeah that kind of wiped me out. Uh, that aneurysm pretty much did it. And then I started studying again, trying to get things back. It just, it just never the same. Because you know, you, you're talking about super delicate stuff, you know, inter, different kind of independence of different fingers. Um, and even the music, my four-way independence was kind of hard. That started to come back to a degree. But I remember Buddy Rich, the greatest to me, drummer that ever lived, when he had one of his heart attacks, he said, too, he lost feeling, feelings in his hands. Not like numbness, but just I know what he meant. You know, the feeling wasn't, you know, I didn't know what he meant at the time until it happened to me. Yeah, things just didn't feel. You just lost that touch, you know, that touch sensitivity. And then, you know, with, with all the concussions that I had, and I had that flare-up right around 2002 and 2003, that was the final nail in the coffin. I knew that I cannot do anything delicate. Even, even now, to this day, I fumble with, like, tiny things in my hands, nuts and bolts, and I struggle to thread a bolt, a, a nut onto a bolt and stuff. My, I just don't, I don't have it, okay? Uh, so I don't think I technically abandoned it. It just happened. But yes, I have been I have been careless in in all three things: boxing, uh, fighting, lifting, and music at times. And it's so I'm I'm here to tell you firsthand. You know, I made these mistakes. Don't don't you make those mistakes, man? Um, I've gotten injured lifting weights because of carelessness. Not always, but sometimes I have. Like I think when Joe was there, when I blew my arm out. This, this last time, I wrote my right arm here with the gripper. Uh, that wasn't careless. That just was freaky. Man, that was just a freak thing. 
I've yeah, never experienced like, anything like that. When you look back on it, it's kind of like, cause we were talking, I remember that cause you had arm wrestled the night before mm-hmm. and had probably maybe done some micro damage. Like it's one of those yeah. things when you, when you, when you look back on it and you were, you were going for like a, a particularly heavy yeah. rep. So it was like a combination of things that like, when you look back on, it, it's like, oh yeah, this is what did it. But sometimes you, it just slips your mind, all the cumulative stuff. So and that a lot of times things happen like that, you know, it's, um, well, the, the weirdest thing is the very last rep, before the second to the last rep, when I did it, it felt like it was nothing. It felt so easy. I'm like, what? And then I go again, and it pop, 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 those three pops. My forearm and my bicep, boom, boom, boom. I'm like, oh, here we go. This is it. And, uh, yeah. But and when I blew out the this bicep doing the curls, that was a lightweight. I was feeling, getting, getting pre- prepared for the snap, no tapping. Dan was standing next to me. Come on, one more rep, one more rep, and then I blew it out. And it wasn't a lot of weight. Uh, the curl, the the grip machine was a lot of weight, uh, so I can understand that. But yeah, that that sometimes the carelessness is just overzealous. You know, you're trying too much. I think with the grip, that's probably what it was. I was in too big of a hurry. Um, I should have just slowed everything down. I don't mean that day in particular, but I mean, I was pushing my goals too much. I should have just, hey, man, I got the rest of my life, you know, to do this. Um, but, no, I was anxious, man. I wanted to get it done. And uh, now, look, you know, shit happens, I guess. But That's one of the hardest things, I think, is maybe with a lot of training, but for sure lifting is patience. You know, I a couple of weeks ago even, I had a spasm in my back doing some deadlifts and it wasn't anything heavy, not at all. But part of it is obviously I'm older now and my brain still thinks, you know, there's a certain cycle you do with your lifting. You, you kind of remember, okay, I build this weight over this amount of time. And, you know, I maybe make some adjustments, but sure enough, I just, I keep having to readjust, but it kind of the eagerness to get back to her, like, Oh, I want to be back at my, you know, whatever level it is, you know, and just kind of, feeling your body out and reading that, but I've definitely, yeah, I've definitely suffered from being a little bit too eager to hit certain numbers. You know, uh, it's, it's definitely a, definitely a trap. I think a lot of people who lift get into. Well, like what I teach, the stuff that I teach is so complex because there's so much to it that you can't learn it all. You, you gotta, you gotta block out when you're starting to train years here, you gotta, you gotta tell yourself it's going to th- like college. It's, it's four years to get, you know, a degree, let's say, you know, generally, I know that there's exceptions to get like a bachelor's degree or whatever. You got to look at it like that. This is a long-term thing. So if you're looking at a crash course, well, the, the thing about the crash course is you're going to crash. Okay. It's inevitable, you know, nothing, you know, I mean, imagine, okay. Imagine this. Your life is on the line. You're having a major, major heart attack. You need, re, you know, reconstructive surgery and shit, you know, a transplant or whatever it is. And you go to your doctor and your doctor says, don't worry about nothing, man. I took a crash course in this. Right. That's not going to instill confidence in you. You're going to find another doctor. Right. Same with the, anything you do. You don't crash courses are, are no good, especially fighting. Because when you're dealing with self-defense, you don't want crash courses. You need, you need in-depth, and you need to take your time, and you need to really 
understand this, okay, and and then go from there. You know, nothing quick. Tony, Tony when, your life. when you were lifting to get your bench up, how like what was the rep range you were working in, and when did you know when it was the time to add more weight? Oh, that's good. Very good question. Okay, well, I did a couple of. I experimented with different routines, you know, heavy triples and shit like that. But generally, um, I would do like a warm-up set. Then I would do a set of, uh, let's say, six to eight reps. And then my final set was a flushing set where I would, I would do two twenty. I would for me, I would put two thirty on the on the bar. Basically, it would be 225 for anybody else, but we had these heavy-duty collars that actually weighed five pounds, and then I would do like, you know, 25 reps at the end. If you can't do 225 with that, that's fine. Whatever, 135, whatever it is, get 25 to 30 reps. Um, so I would work my my low end and my and my rep end at the same time. But how I knew when to increase was simple. When I could reach between six, okay, let's just let's just do an an, an easy number here. Let's say I was doing um, 350 for six to eight reps. Once I hit that eighth rep, then next week I would add, you know, five pounds, two and a half pounds on each side. And if for some reason I dropped down to like four reps, no, forget it. You know, that's not enough. I got to balance the weight out until I'm down to six reps or five reps. Five reps would have been sufficient. Um, I didn't do heavy singles often. Maybe once a month I would try a heavy single. There was no need for it. But I did a lot of assistant work, a lot of heavy pushdowns on my triceps, pushdowns, pulldowns on my triceps, seated overhead presses. That really helped my, my bench, made it, made it skyrocket. That's called assistance work. Um, but, yeah, I would try to keep it in a moderate rep range. And it, to me, that last set, where I was doing 20, 25 reps, uh, I think really helped. And I did it at a, at a good pace. You know, I just loved it. And for me, I'm not built to bench because I have long arms and a shallow chest. I'm not barrel chested. My size all comes from my pecs. So when you're laying down, you know, you know they're gone. So I, I didn't, I never went super wide. I, I went within the legal limit, you know. Um, and then sometimes I would go real narrow just to work again to work my triceps specialty uh, kind of stuff, but never to like set any record there. Uh, and don't flare out. I always try to keep my elbows like right like this, and then boom. So you're not putting all the strain on your shoulders and shit. A lot of technique involved in it. But Did next you time do- I'll bring my my one of my journals up and I can read it to you. Did you do your assistance on the same day, like after you did your? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would do uh, bench buys and tries, okay, and seated, you know, presses. Yeah, I would, I would try to. There was no reason not to, but there were days now during the week where um, I would do, I would focus on my overhead press, okay, like once a week was was my overhead press focus, okay, uh, as opposed to focusing on the bench. The bench would be a very light workout day, and the overhead press would be the, the, the main day. I focused twice a week on the bench, once a week on the overhead press. Um, and 
for some reason, I was just, I always thought I was better at the overhead, seated overhead behind the neck press than I was at, at my bench. You know, um, that's just how I felt. But I miss those days. And my mom got her first vaccination, so she's going to get her second vaccination March 23rd. So by the 1st of April, I plan on going back to the gym out here then. Now that she'll be vaccinated, I'll go to the gym. I won't be lifting heavy. You can't. This is a Planet Fitness. They don't even have free weights. You know, you can't even, like, free bench. You know, it's, it's, it's on, a, like, a rack. And, uh, you know, but it's better than nothing. But I'm just going to ease my way in. I have no more desires to lift heavy. I just don't. Um, uh, but curls, uh, Nico, I really took – that was the – my arms were just strong. I, I don't think that I had – they were never, like, gigantic because I never wanted that because that slows you down. But I just had a – that was my – I think structurally I was built to curl because of the size of my – you know, the length of my limbs. Um, I was born to curl. Uh, that's the biggest regret I have is blowing out both of my arms. This right arm's still not attached. You know, the bicep's gone. I have a hard time turning with screwdrivers and stuff like that with this. I have no rotational strength. That sucks. But I couldn't get surgery back then when it happened. You ever do circuit training, Tony, with weights or machines? I mean, I, I have, but that's not for me because I was a power lifter, man. I, I just yeah. wanted to lift for, for strength. Uh, I didn't, I didn't want to lift for fitness per se because the fighting was my fitness. Everything, guys – Except for the, um, I, I did kind of get to the point where I, I wanted to, I remember wanting to bench 400 and then all the curls, I wanted to set the world record. That's specialty. But generally, everything that I trained for was to make me a better fighter, okay? And after having that aneurysm, the one thing I said was, I'm never going to be this weak and helpless again where I have a little, little wonderful Filipina uh, nurse who was maybe 100 pounds you know, having to lift me and transport me from the bed to the wheelchair to the shower and all this. I, I said, I'm never going to be like this again. So I was obsessed with strength, but never to the, to the, uh, to the point where I was going to become a 300 pounder, you know, and, and going for 700 pound bench presses and shit. No, I still wanted to be super tough. And I knew that I, this is the frame. This is where I want to be 220, 225 tops. Anything other than that, I'm carrying around too much weight for my height. Um, but so, no, circuit training, I've done it, you know, just when I'm killing time. You know, if I don't really want to work out or I'm visiting somebody and we'll just get a light workout in, for me, you know, that isn't, that isn't it. Nothing yeah, wrong with it. That's something I was recently experimenting with is circuit training because I just wanted to keep my workout super short, like beat in and out of the gym within an hour. But then I was thinking I wanted to build strength. I want uh, cardiovascular benefits and, and some muscular hypertrophy or, you know, building muscle as well. So I, I started doing basically strength circuits that I set up where I'm kind of in the, like within the five rep range and there going from like push, pull, squat, um, and, and, sit-ups or, or leg raises. So just alternating just the basic, you know, core movements. And, uh, well, I've only been on it for like a couple of weeks, but I just like the simplicity of it. 
I'm kind of getting all the benefits of every one of those within an hour, I'm in and out. So I, I, I like the minimalist approach, but I think if you want to build strength, you really got to spend, it seems like you got to spend more time just on the lifts and you, and you got a bigger rest period between. So that's all right, the here's only how thing I, I don't like about it. It is when I was just maintaining, okay. Like when I start up again in April, this is exactly what's going to happen. This is how it is. So people out there, if you want to take note of this, this is what it's going to be. It's going to be my first workout is three sets of the bench. From there, I do three sets of overhead press. Okay, so now bench, overhead press, shoulders and triceps there. Next, my tricep pushdowns this way, three sets. Next, tricep pulldowns this way. Next, three sets of tricep push-ups off the bench, and you can put weight plates across your legs for added resistance. Okay, then... I finish off with my curls. I'm done. I'm in and out of there in a blast, okay? And I'm working everything that I want to work in my, you know, as far as my upper body. As I said, I'm not a bodybuilder, so I don't need to work on flies or anything um, in that. And then uh, that would be, let's say, Monday and Friday. On Wednesday, I'll do close grip bench presses, three sets, okay? Work the close grips. Nothing, and everything else is the, is the same. If I feel exceptional, exceptionally energetic, I'll throw in some ab workouts. I told you guys, I, I'm very, and then I'll, I'll do some leg extensions. I'm very leery about, um, you know, I won't do any squats or anything. And I don't need to, pull, you can't deadlift over there. I'm not going to deadlift in a squat rack, okay? That's just not, it doesn't make any sense. So I, I can't, I can't do any of that. But that's it for me. That's it in a nutshell. That's exactly what I'm going to, you know, what I, what I was doing when I joined Planet Fitness a few years ago, and you now, and every so often, you know, the curls, I do the curl machine, then I do some dumbbells. That's it. Three sets of the, the machine curls, and then three sets of dumbbells. They don't have like um, <clears throat> function. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pain in the ass to try to set up barbells and all that. I'm not going to do that. I'll just grab some dumbbells. It's, it's that place is not a. It's not a powerlifting gym. It's it's not a you know I'm kind of restricted to the equipment that they have. Yeah, it seems like they want to discourage weightlifters and oh yeah, you, from you can't grunt. Them. You're not allowed to talk <laughs> to anybody. You know, I'm like Jesus, man. What are you kidding? The grunt alarm. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, um, I've never gotten busted on that because I don't. I mean, I never. I don't go heavy over there. But man, <laughs> I can imagine what these people would. They, they'd have me arrested, not just thrown out if they heard me when I was, when I was lifting heavy and shit, you know, I mean, every profanity that ever existed would come out of my mouth when I'm lifting heavy, um, you know, but yeah, it's well, the, and another big scary thing is that you don't have a spot. Well, there, you don't need a spotter because, you know, you, if you're, if you're smart, when you're in the power rack, uh, you know, you, you put the, the guides up, but, um, yeah, I mean, you gotta have a, uh, spotter. And I used to go to a different gym. I forgot what it was called. Um, before, right before, um, like where my before my previous gym in Bensonville, before we had that all set up, and there was free weights. And I had a problem getting spotters, you know, because I was benching pretty heavy. I mean, you know, um, there would be nothing for me to have high threes or low four hundreds on the bar and nobody wanted to spot. They were afraid that's too heavy for them to spot. I'm like, you'll be fine. It's not like the weight's going to be, you know, 
dead on my chest. So yeah, it was always a hard time. That's why when, when we, I, you got to have a good workout partner, man, when you're powerlifting, you do, you got to have somebody there to motivate you to make sure your form's right. Um, because a lot of times you don't know what's going on. You might have a, you might have the bench, you might be coming off of it and then your, your elbows may flare or you, or your left arm is a little bit, you know, in front of your right. You may not actually be aware of what's happening or your butt's coming up too much or coming up off that, uh, um, off the bench or something. You need a training partner there to, you know, to tell you, Hey man, you know, or just to even tap your right arm a little bit, get you at the elbow, spot you at the elbow. It's another thing. People don't understand how to spot. Oh, they want to grab the bar right away from you. No, you don't get, get the guy past the sticking point, put your two fingers underneath his elbows, like right here and help him get, get that weight past the sticking point. And it's important for you to, Find out where his sticking point is. Is his sticking point low? Is, is, is he getting stalled out on the chest? Is he getting stalled out, you know, halfway through his lift? Is he getting stalled out at the end? All of that is dependent. You know, that, that, that means you got to work on different things, you know. Um, so, the, yeah, it's, it's sometimes a guy will keep his right elbow in, let's say, or his left elbow in, and his right arm will flare out. Okay, well, you know, you probably got a shoulder issue going on there. Okay, you got to get that. We got to work on that now. So training partners aren't just for lifting or aren't just for, you know, wrestling and shit. Having a good workout training partner, man, can go a long way. I think I think my sticking point on the bench is like right before full ex- extension. So would that be a tricep yeah. issue? Yeah. And, and yeah, and then, you know, you just, you, you, you just want to watch the, are, are your elbows – are your elbows flaring out when you're getting stuck? Are they, you know, you got to try to pull them in. Make sure you're keeping your elbows in. Anytime you're flaring out, you're weakening yourself. So some of this could be muscle weakness on your end, or it could be a form problem. And that's one of the issues with machines. The machines don't allow you to work your stabilizing muscles, okay? So I'd have to actually watch you to see, to make, you know, I don't want to just say, yeah, definitely it's your triceps or whatever, or definitely it's your shoulders. I'd have to look and see, but that is one of the drawbacks of a machine. It takes away those stabilizing muscles. Uh, it's better than nothing. Like when I did the worth the weight video, there's a lot of machine stuff because some of that is beneficial, like the tricep push downs and pull downs, you know, a lap machine. Those are all wonderful. Even a curl machine will help certain parts of your curling. Okay. I used the curling machine in a more enhanced, when I was going for the world record, I was going for, or the curling machine was part of it. It worked, you know, it worked my explosiveness and it kept my arms where they needed to be for a strict curl. So it worked out well. And then you can do variations uh, of those curls. There was some where I was pretty much totally stretched out. My butt was way back there and my, it's all on the, worth the weight video you could see it and i'm I'm really isolating those biceps man you can get a hell of a workout there but i would suggest no matter what nico that you work your lats work your triceps really really work your triceps man um nothing that i've done has helped more on my bench or pushing muscles in general than than the triceps and your front delts, man. You got to work your front deltoids. Um, and I never did incline benches. That was not part of my routine. I may have 
done them just a, once or twice. I never did declines, never felt the need. I did overhead. So basically I was a 90 angle bencher. Okay. I, I was either flat doing my flat bench or 90 degrees upright doing overhead presses for me. That's all I needed. That's all I wanted. I, I, I told you this before. My whole goal was never to be a big bench presser. I wanted to lift overhead a lot of weight. And I think that come, that came from Stanley Rodman. That was the thing for me. How much can you lift over your head? Because I was an old school lifter, you know, old timers, you know, they didn't bench. All right. Uh, and when Rod Vaughn got jumped by those three guys when he was in his 60s and he picked a guy up over his head and threw him into the other two guys, that just was like, I, I, I want to do that. Huh, I want to I be that strong to be able to pick a guy up over my head and throw him. So that, that made the impression on me. Yeah, that's some power right there. That's like well, something out of a movie. Yeah, lifting guys over the head, I used to like doing that because it's tough, because the human being, it's unbalanced, okay? And I had a friend of mine, Gary, who used to do gymnastics, and we used to do that. He was like, for the record, he was like five foot seven, 155 pounds, okay? So it wasn't like he was like a 300-pounder. But he knew how to let me lift him. He knew how to go stiff. He would stiffen out like a board, you know, and, and basically he'd plank his legs. He'd rock like so solid as opposed to, you know, being loosey-goosey. And I would pick him up, get boom, and just military press the guy. Um, and how we started was quite simple. I sat on my butt with my back up against my couch. And he would lay flat on the couch. I'd have my hands out like this. And then he would roll onto my hands, lock himself up. And then I would just, you know, because I had great pressing power. I didn't need my legs, you know. And that's how we started it. And then we worked, and I would do that a few times. And then uh, another day I would start learning how to grab them, you know, and get them off the ground or, you know, get them where, you know, while we're standing so I can get them up. And we did that in public once. It actually stopped a bar fight, um, which was, was classic. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, two guys wanted a piece of me. And that, well, what had happened was this was a, like a horseshoe kind of bar, Stone Cold Polish bar, okay, and um, on Addison Road. And I wasn't a regular there, but they really, really pretty, pretty Polish bartenders in there. Um, so once so I'm rapping on her in Polish, okay. Well, these two guys don't like that, apparently. Well, whatever. So I'm with McNabb, and um, the guy, there was like a big rim at the around the bar, so – and there was nobody between McNabb is, is standing next to me. I'm sitting down and they're at the end. So there's like a, like a right angle. Well, they flick this quarter and it, it hugs the bar and it comes all the way by McNabb. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Who's the, who's the wise guys. And then they said something. And I said in English, I said, okay. I says, you guys want to fight? You got it. And yeah, they're smiling now. I said, but just give me one second. Just let me warm up a minute. I grabbed McNabb by the back of his collar. I grabbed him by the belt. Boom. Pressed him over my head. Put him back down. I said, okay, I'm warmed up. That was it. They bought us beers. <laughs> they didn't want no piece of this. And I stole that because I witnessed that happen with Stanley Rodbon. Some I don't want to get into the whole story, but, you know, some, some boxer dude, you know, just – 
you wrestlers are fake. You old timer, you're nothing. And I said, you want me to kick his ass? Stanley's like, I got this. Stanley, and he said, okay, let's let me warm. You got me. Let me warm up. I, I need to warm up. He had his change on the bar. I, I do this. He grabs a quarter, bends the quarter, throws it down. I'm all warmed up. That guy hightailed it out the back door. Never to be seen again. Well, naturally, I can't bend coins. But I, I certainly could lift Gary over my head, and I did. So, yeah, that prevented – that ended that kind of bar, that, that bar fight that night. It was, And the moral of the story, I still didn't get the bartender's phone number, though. <laughs> but she thought I was cute because I could speak Polish, you know, a little bit. Just enough to get me into a bar fight. <laughs> All right? I mean, shit. I'm still trying to determine who's dumber, the, the guys who tried to stick up a cop bar – or the three guys who tried to mug Rod Vaughn. Can you imagine picking him as the, as your mark? Yeah, right. I mean, and the guy was elderly. He was older, and you know he he walked, you know, limped kind of sort of, you know, and uh, yeah, they 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 probably just thought this is an easy deal, you know, this is easy peasy. We're going to get this guy, boy. Not smart, not smart. But you know, you never know who you're going to mess with. You know, years ago, man, there was some – I went to Yuki Village, and apparently there there were some guys in there claiming that there was some guy that could come in there that could bend coins. But I never I never uh, went back. I never found out who the guy was. I don't know. It could have been – I mean, that was a long time ago. It's probably 25 years ago, so the guy's probably long gone now. But, um, yeah, when you got that kind of hand strength, I mean, trust me, man, it's it's like – you have no idea the damage that can be inflicted. You know, it's when you know what you're doing, you know, you have to have, that's different than grip strength. I mean, having that kind of finger strength, he was a, he was a freak. I mean, there was just no, a buddy that could have that kind of grip. I've never met anybody that was even remotely. Um, I told you that the guy here in Chicago, the, the Irishman, John McDonough, you know, he had a really, he has a real good grip or had, um, he couldn't bend coins. He couldn't even come close. Did he no. work on his grip, the other guy, or did he just get that from work, his work life? Yeah, no, for, from his you know work. He was you know working with brick and stuff like that. Yeah, he just just one of those types. I guess his whole family was like from Ireland or brawler types, you know. Um, but yeah, he had you know he had it was weird because his fingers he he had this kind of strength where you know you, it was hard to go like this to his fingers and he could lock them out like that. It's, you know, it just was different. You know, he was a small guy. He was only about maybe 170 pounds. You know, he wasn't like a behemoth or anything. Um, but, yeah, he had he had a really good grip, hand grip. But, you know, I gave him those captains of crush grippers. <clears throat> he, he didn't do really good on those captains of crush grippers. He didn't do as good as I thought. So that right there was like a big red flag with the grippers because it's a different kind of – grip than shaking somebody's hand uh hand shakes are difficult because those grippers are universal they're all the same size all right but you try to grip a skinny guy's hand or a big fat guy's hand you know giant hand it's different so you that's part of the problem with those grippers is that you you just learn that size that little range um Whereas if you work with thick handle barbells or you work with just odd size things, I, you can you can develop a different type of grip. And then if you work your fingers, none of those work your fingers. 
That's the thing. None of those grippers work your fingers. Don't think for a minute it's finger strength. It's not. It's hand strength. Learning to work your fingers is, is the secret. That's how you'll get like, amazing strength. Um, but what he did, Radvan, now when it comes to bending coins, you have to callus up your tips of your fingers too, your thumbs, so you can lock it out. You can press down on that coin. You know, otherwise, you know, there's going to be some give. It's going to be painful. The pain really hurts. You know, that really, that probably is the first thing that stops people. But the, the compression on your thumb, you can't have any give. Okay? So there's a, there's a lot to it. I, I was able to bend smaller quarter size metal that, you know, Kevin being a tool and die guy, he used to make the metal. And then he did, he had the horizontal uh, saw. So he, or uh, I don't know if it was a router that he used. I don't remember, but he would take a quarter and he, he would just grind out in the middle, like a little channel. So I could try to bend those. And I had some success with that, but he basically gave me these slugs they were throwaway slugs, okay, for when he would run the punch press. These are all like he'd have thousands of these slugs. I used to take a bunch, um, but, you know, and I, some of them were just too thick. I couldn't, I couldn't bend them. I, didn't, I just didn't have it. I couldn't do it. You used to practice, or I remember you talking about breaking popsicle sticks too, like just practicing. And that was like mm-hmm. for practicing attacking the fingers, right? Like you could. Yeah. Yeah, snapping. Yeah, because, again, I don't have any – well, I'm not going to break my glasses here, but a lot of times, let's see if we can get it in the camera. People want to bend like this. Now you got two points. You don't ever want to do that. You need a vice. You need one hand that isn't moving. That's your solid hand. That's your vice hand. And then you bend down or you bend up on that. So you only have one point of bend as opposed to two points of bend. When I did those strongman shows and I would bend the, the steel, I like to bend up. Again, I had strong arms as opposed to bending down. And I would lock one and then bend up with the other. Um, and, yeah, same with the popsicle sticks or beer bottle, beer, or, you know, pop can, beer, beer lids, whatever you call it, bottle caps, you know, with learning to, you know, press down with your thumb, just bending them with your thumb um, to, to, to develop that kind of thumb strength to allow me to hold down a coin with enough pressure that it's a vice, but um, I thought I I thought I might have once put just a little tiny thing on a quarter because I thought it was like when I put it down on the table I thought there was a little rattle on it, but I can't attest to it. But that wouldn't have mattered anyway. You got to bend it all the way over, man. Otherwise, it's it's worthless. But you can do it. I mean, it's not like the steel, the metal in the coin is impossible just grab a pair of pliers two pair of pliers and you'll see that you can do it not like the coin itself is like you know aren't impossible no you can bend it it's just but you know it's it's tough man i'll i can't do it you should make a video on grip strength yeah well you know i I should probably should have in the past. Well, we'll see what happens. Maybe next year. I, I got to get the back back to working out. But, you know, it's functional grip strength. There's a lot of great grip masters out there, you know, that do these uh, captains of crush. And they're, I haven't followed it in a couple of three years, so I don't even know what they're up to now. They're probably 
you know, doing some amazing things. You know, I don't, I mean, all my strong stuff is behind me. I've done almost everything I wanted to do strength-wise, you know, except bend a coin. Um, that's the one thing I've never been able to do. But I still have dreams about it now and then that I'm bending all these coins, believe it or not. That tells me that's deep-seated in me psychologically, you know, that it's something that I probably have a lot of regret that I was never able to do, but not for a lack of trying. I just wouldn't do it. I'm sure we all have things like that. We wish we could have done, but when I was into basketball, I used to have dreams of being able to dunk, you know, like all of a sudden I could do it. And you know, it it yeah. stuff happens like that. It's funny. Yeah. I, I just don't want to get hurt anymore. I, I, my mind talk about like Nico brought up about focus and clearing your thoughts. You know, I, I, you know, my mom is in bad shape. So I, that's all, you know, I think about that constantly and, you know, this and that, just other things. It's, it's hard for me to focus on me. Okay. To like me, 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 you know, then that's kind of almost how you have to be. You got to be focused on yourself. And now I've been, you know, doing stuff around here to get the, the membership before that it was to get the podcast rolling. Okay. And then it was, let's do the weekly YouTube videos. And I got to get the camera for that and learn the editing software. Now it's different cameras for the membership program. And, you know, just all of this is to help people. It's benefiting. You know, I do this stuff so, you know, we could reach other people and then help them out. But there's going to have to come a time where I got to say, okay, this has got to be about me now. Okay. I, I want to focus on me. So I think after the smoke clears, the first thing to do is for me to just have a little downtime, you know, just to be able to go out a little bit for a day or so and just relax and enjoy myself, you know, and that get Get, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, what's that word, you know, where you kind of, not revitalized, but, you know, re-energized. You know, I just got to get re-energized and just blow off a bunch of steam. So. Well, it looks like we're getting close to 11. I don't okay. know if we got any uh, closing thoughts. We talked about a lot of stuff. Definitely covered some good ground here. Yeah, well, just thanks for watching, everybody. You know, if you can on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe button. There's things that Joe can talk about, um, about views or hours or something like that, because, um, you know, we need to monetize this. As you hear me say it, I have to get cameras. I have to do this and that. That all costs money that I don't have. So I'd like to, you know, none of us are, we're all in, in a bad straight. So just by viewing these videos eventually we can hit a plateau where we could start to monetize and and maybe get a few cents in and it doesn't cost you guys anything out of your pocket for that that's just watch the videos so that's and, and spread the word if you can share these videos on social media not the videos but like i don't know much about this but getting people to come to youtube you know and more subscribers and things like that that, that could be your little way of, of keeping uh, Catch Wrestling alive. I would appreciate it. I'm sure Joe and Nico would too. Absolutely. And, you know, like even when we do monetize, just I'll say this is that, you know, that's not a really great amount for the amount of hours that have to go into it. You don't get much out of it from what I can tell. So I think the subscription thing to people who really want to directly, uh, you know, support, you know, because all this, all this stuff, you know, not only takes time, uh, but obviously there's a cost for all the uh, technology and, and equipment we use. 
Uh, so if you're enjoying this content or want to support us, I think ultimately that's going to be the best way if you're, you know, thinking about it. But any little bit helps, whether it's sharing a video or subscribing, it's all, it's all helps. Yeah, it does. I appreciate it. Yeah. And the subscription, you know, as you know, I'm going to, going to hook up with my buddy this week and, you know, we should be good to go. I don't need any glitches. That's the thing. I'd rather slow things down and make sure it's, you know, pretty good. I mean, there are going to be hiccups along the way, unexpected stuff, but we're there. I'm literally waiting on two parts to arrive, which should be here maybe tomorrow. So that gives me three weeks of just, you know, not having to worry about anything, just getting that software cooking. And uh, yeah, it's good. And I do want to say that uh, I'm proud of Joe and his hair. My hair, hopefully, I have to take my mom to the doctor tomorrow, and she needs a haircut. So I'm going to get a haircut, I hope, tomorrow, if my car is okay, and uh, we're, you know, we're going to go. Uh, you do look like you get your haircut at the doctor's. Yeah, well, you know, that's right. And why not? The, the nurse massages my neck, you know, because I go in there, and the doctor's like, stand still. I'm like, yes, sir. You know, um, yeah, I'm going to get that done, and that's pretty much it. And we'll have an update on this membership thing next Sunday, and hopefully the guy that's helping me will be our special guest. If not next Sunday, it'll be the following Sunday, but we'll have an update. But I'm looking at April 1st. Uh, or, you know, that'll be the day that we'll launch it. Um, and I think it's going to be nice. Nico, thank you for being you. Thank you for being you, Tony. You better believe it. And Joe, thank you, everybody. <laughs> you know, we, we love you, Joe. Well, and you guys are welcome that I'm me. Yeah, well, it's, it's, you're the Mount Everest of human beings, you know. I mean, no, not even, because people have scaled Mount Everest. No one will ever be able to top you. Yeah, I've been climbed before, though, but that's a different story. Yeah, well, we can't talk about her now, can we? <laughs> Don't forget, you guys could do me a favor and reach out to those special ladies that I like. You know who they are. All right, before we decide <laughs> the chaos. <laughs> All right, kids. I will see you guys next week, and everybody, thanks for watching and listening. All right, talk to you later. All right. Um... Bye.